You are about to hear episode number 170 of The Mystic Show. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm really happy you're able to join me listening to this episode of this podcast because, as you may know, the reason I started this podcast is because the conversations about true spirituality and mindfulness and meditation is probably the most important conversation we can have in our lives and we don't have it very often. So that's why The Mystic Show is here. You and I get to hang out each week and talk about these deeper topics. The purpose of this show is for you and I to move along our spiritual path and grow, evolve, and become, well, not only the best version of ourselves, but become a divinized human being. Do you ever think about that? What does that mean? A divinized human being. Well, you can become one. In fact, you are one. (laughs) New episodes of the show are released every Friday morning, early, and you can hear us as a podcast everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and our website, have you been there recently? TheMysticShow.net, TheMysticShow.net, all our previous episodes, and you can sign up for the the behind-the-scenes emails, which... I give you a little insight behind the scenes of The Mystic Show, a few details that I don't talk about on the show, and you can also sign up to receive for free this cool little audio project I made called Relax with Rumi. I took this relaxing music and I selected a bunch of Rumi quotes and I read it over the music. It came out really nice. It's very relaxing and very inspiring and thought-provoking. It's four different tracks. It's 47 minutes total. You can hear it for free. Just sign up for the email list, behind the scenes emails. Of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. And our sponsor, our supporter, our sister organization is Pause Your Life. Pauseyourlife.org. Meetups and retreats for those times in your life when you just want to hit the pause button. Stop the craziness. Just relax and be a human being. Speaking of relaxation, at the end of this episode, I'm going to read a little segment about relaxation from the book 365 Dow. It's a very good one. I'll read that. We'll finish up with that today. I have a bunch of topics I want to talk about, as usual. And feel free to comment on the posts. In fact, I want to say hello to... Joe Voorhees, he's been commenting on the show. Him and I have been emailing. He's really digging the show. And it's, I just love it the fact that you and I can be experimenting with our lives, thinking about these higher topics and discussing it with each other, learning from each other, enriching ourselves by talking. It's really great. And I also want to thank the folks who are 
supporting our Patreon campaign, who are actually supporting the show with a dollar or two per episode, uh, Frank Deck and Satya Murthy, and of course, my wife, and of course, my mom. <laughs> Thanks to you all, really. Thank you for supporting the show. It means a lot to the show. It means a lot to me. And it means a lot to yourself. It means that you're supporting this conversation, this deeper conversation. And this isn't the only conversation happening. There are others, I believe. Not many, but there are others. So my wife and I just watched this PBS documentary about the Buddha. I don't know if you saw this one. I don't know how old it is. Actually, we just lent it to uh, our good friend here in Colorado Springs, Kathy Collins. Hey, Kathy. It's a two-hour documentary on the Buddha, and it is just tremendous. We've watched it before. We just watched it the other night again, and I just, I just really like it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, maybe you want to check it out. I mean, there's so many things I like about the documentary. It's hard to talk about. I think I discussed it in a previous episode as well, but I actually found here in Colorado Springs, I found a bagel shop that actually makes their own bagels every morning and does it very well. I hadn't found this yet. It's been, what, seven, eight months we're here living in Colorado Springs, and I hadn't found a bagel shop that made their own bagels really nice and fresh and really just really nice. I guess I'm used to the northern New Jersey, New York City area bagels, which are usually really, really good uh, compared to some of the other, I don't know, pre-made bagels. I don't know what you would even call it. Anyhow, I finally found this shop, and yes, I'm bringing this up for a reason. I finally found this shop, and I've been there twice already, but when I was parking the car, when my wife and I were going there for the second time, I was parking the car, and all the cars in the parking lot were all parked crooked. So, you know, in a parking lot, there's the parking spaces, and there's painted lines on the asphalt. And you, you know, you're supposed to park in the space and that leaves room for other people to park in their space and makes it nice and orderly. So, you know, everyone can park normally. Well, it's funny because the lines, the painted lines are very dull. It's like they painted them like 20 years ago and they never repainted them. So you can barely see these lines. And well, I always try to park really well because I want to be considerate of other people. But I was trying to park. I was trying to see the lines. I was trying to park, you know, not too close or too far from other cars. And I ended up parking the car and it just was crooked. And, but, it, but, but the cars next to me were crooked. So I had to park crooked to be able to park. <laughs> so, and you know what? If everyone's parked crooked, no big deal. Just park the car. It's not a big deal. But guess what? We go in the shop. We come back out a little while later, a bunch of the other cars had left and there's my car in the parking lot. And now because there's no cars next to it, it looks like it's parked. It looks like I'm the worst driver ever for parking so crooked. It's like one of those, you, you should just take a picture of it and put it on Facebook and, and say, can you believe this guy parked like this? You know, when I was next to the other cars, it looked fine. But when it was by, when my car was by itself, you could really see how off it was parked. 
So here's the analogy, right? I think a lot of times in our lives, we have to almost conform to certain situations just to get through the day. Uh, And I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm just talking about little things. You know, sometimes maybe somebody starts talking to you about something you don't want to talk about. But instead of being extremely rude and saying, shut up, I don't talk about those things. You just make a couple soft comments and kind of deflect, try to deflect it and move on. Um, Anyway, that's just one example. I don't even think that's a good example. But I think it happens. And just to live in the material world, I think, you know, it's hard to always park straight, especially when everyone else is parked crooked. But the good thing is, and especially because you're listening to this show, when we focus on the higher values and the higher dimensions of life and the higher things that we need to learn, okay, so I park crooked, big deal. You know, we don't get too bothered by material world things. Unless they're really vital, obviously. If if something is vital, food, water, safety, then yes, in the material world, we need to do something, make it right. But if it's not a big deal, eh, it's not a big deal. I just thought it was funny how my car looked. (laughs) It's parked all crooked. So we, I hope that analogy made sense. (laughs) So we, we had a meetup this past Saturday. A pause your life meetup here in Colorado Springs. And these meetups are just tremendous. Everybody loves coming together, dropping all their baggage, dropping all their ego, their personality, their likes, their dislikes, their politics, their religion, everything, their gender, everything. We drop everything until you're just a human being. And then we just hang out and we talk about some deeper topics. One of the things that came up was one of the participants had a really, well, otherworldly experience, maybe a spiritual experience, whatever, and a profound experience. And she told us about it in the group. And uh, it was interesting to hear that experience because, look, that's the cool thing about life. There's so many experiences that you and I have that are just unique and they're just deeper and otherworldly. You can't explain it. You know, you just can't explain it. So you, but that's the beauty of life. There's so many dimensions to this life, right? And so she told us about this wonderful experience. And then someone else in the group mentioned mindfulness and the fact that when she does a certain activity, she can actually do the whole activity, which might take, you know, let's say a half an hour and she finishes the activity and it doesn't, she doesn't remember doing it. She was like in the zone, you know, sometimes it happens when you drive from one place to the other, right? You might drive for 20 minutes, but you don't remember driving there. All of a sudden you're there. So the person who had the spiritual experience said, Oh, you know, I struggle with mindfulness and There's times when that happens to me. I'll end up somewhere and I don't know how I got there and it freaks me out. And I try to be mindful all the time and this and that. So mindfulness is what I wanted to 
talk about here. Mindfulness is a handy tool, but it's not the goal, right? Mindfulness is, is a little activity we can do with our mind to bring us back to some center or to bring us back to the present moment or to bring us back to whatever we want to be brought back to, right? Mindfulness is a tool. It's like a mental trick. It's a technique and it's good. It helps. It can help. And it's just one of these tools in our toolbox that we can use in our lives, right? But it's not the goal. It's not the goal of life to be mindful. Because first of all, the mind is just a part of ourselves, right? It's not ourselves. You are not your mind. So, okay, doing anything with your mind is okay, but it's, it's not you. It's not the goal. So what is the goal? And we're going to get into this more, by the way, but let's start with this. What is the goal? Well, a lot of the ancient texts tell us that the goal is self-realization. Okay? Self-realization. Well, what does that mean? Realizing your true self. If you actually realized in full your true self, you'd be blown away and you would have this amazing experience, higher consciousness, and, and you would live in that consciousness because you would know who you are, what you are. So self-realization. They also say the goal can be God-realization, right? When you realize God, you actually realize what God is or whatever. It's hard to talk about it, God, because what, we don't know what it is. But if you were to realize God, well, then you're in a whole nother level of existence, right? Well, what's another goal or another way to say what the goal is of spirituality? Well, the Buddha says it's enlightenment. He calls it enlightenment. And actually, at the very end of that documentary, they told this little vignette about when someone approached the Buddha, he was under a tree meditating, not the actual Bodhi tree or whatever, when he, when he attained Samadhi or whatever, but sometime later he was just meditating and someone approached him and I guess they didn't know him. And they said, who are you? You know? And he said, remember me as the one who woke up. So in a spiritual sense, most of us are sleeping. We haven't woken up to the spiritual truth in life. I mean, in the material world, we're awake. Of course, we're eating, we're earning money, we're sleeping, we're drinking, everything. And we're awake, or when you're awake. Well, I guess when you're sleeping, you're not awake <laughs> in the physical world. In the material world, we're awake, but in the spiritual world, we're sleeping because we haven't realized that higher truth. We haven't realized our self, or we haven't realized God. So enlightenment is when you're enlightened and you're awakened. That's what the Buddha said. Another way to describe the goal of spirituality is universal consciousness. Now, right now you're, you might be in a state called podcast consciousness, right? You're conscious of this podcast right now. You're sort of listening to me. You and I are having this experience on a podcast and your spiritual condition 
could be anything, actually. You're also ego conscious, right? You, you know you're here, you know you're living, you know you have a job or you're looking for a job or you know you have a family. So that's ego consciousness. There's also earth consciousness. You realize you live on a planet and you realize you live in a certain country. You're conscious of all that. Well, universal consciousness is a consciousness that encompasses everything in the whole universe. Now, like any of these descriptions of the goal, it's hard to describe. It's hard to talk about because it's not something we can talk about. It's something you have to experience. So, like I said, mindfulness is a handy tool, but it's not the goal. Well, the goal is much higher. And mindfulness, and it kind of all hit me in this meetup. I didn't actually realize this about mindfulness. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't really ever think about mindfulness too much. I actually don't personally practice a lot of those techniques. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't need it or I couldn't use it, but I just don't practice mindfulness techniques really. Um, I just live. And of course, I do my meditation practice and my cleaning and all that. I guess I probably do some of my own little techniques to get myself back into the right frame of mind or consciousness. But it hit me in this meetup that mindfulness is just a tool. It's a good tool. But the goal is something different. So what is so great about focusing on the highest goal? That's the question. Okay. So mindfulness is a technique. There's certain techniques we can use to help us throughout our day. And the goal is this big, huge thing that we don't really understand. So what's so great about focusing on the highest goal? Or putting energy into uncovering or realizing the highest goal? Or, or actually setting it as your goal? <laughs> you know, there's a concept. I mean, spiritually speaking, that should be what each of us does. We should set our goal as the highest goal. Why not? What, are you going to settle for the seventh highest goal? I mean, really? Why? <laughs> Go for the highest. Why not? It's the spiritual realm. It's not the physical realm. It's the spiritual realm. We can all achieve it. And some say it's not even that difficult. If you have the correct practice and the correct teaching. So what's great about focusing on the highest goal is, is the same thing that's great about focusing on a really ambitious and huge goal in the material world. Like if your goal is to earn $5, that's a small goal. And okay, you could probably earn $5, no problem. If your goal is to earn $1,000 in a year, well, that's a pretty low goal. You could probably earn that $1,000 in a year. If your goal is... $100,000 a year, which is above average, you could probably do it and you could focus on that goal and you could go for it and maybe you'll achieve it. But what happens is if you focused on, let's say, $5 million a year, which is a huge goal, you would inevitably move towards that $5 million you would actually probably go right past the 100,000. 100,000 would be like, oh, that's nothing. You'd be up 500, 600,000. You might probably get to a million a year if your goal was 5 million. Getting to 1 million might probably be easy. 
So what happens is when we set our goal really high, it stretches us very far and it it allows us to unfold and to achieve much more than we would if we had a smaller goal. So same thing applies in the spiritual realm. If we aim to become divinized, if we aim to for self-realization or God-realization or oneness with God, whatever it is, if we aim for that, like for real, aim for that, you will achieve so much. You'll cover half the distance easily. And half the distance to the ultimate goal is a very, very high spiritual state. So mindfulness compared to the highest spiritual state is... It's just, a, it's just a little tool we can use. So when I was in my family business and I was selling roofing and siding, this is about 10 years ago, I took sales training and I learned about something called the dummy curve. Now the dummy curve goes like this, and this I'll frame it in terms of sales. Okay. So let's say I'm a salesman and I'm brand new at sales. And I don't know much about my product. Let's say my product is laptop computers. And I really don't know much about laptop computers. So the boss gives me a couple laptop computers and sends me out and says, go ahead and sell these. So I go talk to people. And I'm trying to sell them laptop computers. And they ask me questions. And they might say, hey, what size screen is that? Uh, and I would say, well, I'm not sure, actually. Let me check. And they might say, well, how fast is the processor? You know what? I don't know. I could find out for you, though. And, you know, I might know the answers to some questions, but for the most part, I'm not going to know the answer. And I'm just, if I'm just a normal person, I'm just going to say, well, I don't really know. I'll find out for you, though. Let me find out for you. Or, or I might say something like, well, I don't know how fast the processor is, but what, do you need a fast processor? <laughs> is that why you're asking? So this is the beginning of the dummy curve. When you begin in sales, you're, you're a dummy. You don't know very much. You just don't have the knowledge yet. Okay, so that's, that's the first part of the dummy curve. And there's three parts, by the way. The second part is when I actually learn all this information. I learn how big the screen is. I learn how fast the computer is, the, the processor. I learn everything. I know how bright it is and how much it weighs and how what every program you can have on the computer. And I go out to sell computers and people ask me questions and they say, how, how big is the screen? 17 inches. How fast is the processor? 2.4 gigahertz. And they hear my answers and they're happy to have the answer, but they just, eh, it just doesn't, they're not feeling drawn to buy this thing. They're not feeling inspired or anything. Uh, what it really is, is so here's the thing. They don't really care how big the screen is or how fast the processor is, but they might care if the letters are big so they can read them. And they might care if the processor's fast enough so it'll save them time. So anyway, in sales, what you learn is people don't care about the actual specifications. They care about what they can use it for. So here's one thing I forgot to mention about the first phase when you're a dummy, you actually sell computers. People buy from you because you're just talking normal on their level. 
on the second phase when you know all the answers and you know way more than they do and and you're proud that you know all the answers the answers don't excite them so they don't buy so you actually sell less in phase two you don't sell as many computers and then you might think what am i doing wrong you know you try to learn more product knowledge what am i doing wrong how can i sell more computers why you know hey I, I worked so hard to learn all this information, this knowledge. This should be helping me sell more, but it's not. I'm actually selling less. What's happening? Well, you get to phase three. And when you get to phase three as a salesperson, you realize that you got to go back to the same way you were in phase one when you were a dummy. So you get a couple computers, you go out in the field and you try to sell them. And you know what? Someone's going to ask you, how big is the screen? And you know the answer. The answer is 17 inches. But you're not going to tell them right away. You're going to say, oh, how big's the screen? That's interesting. Why did you ask me that? Or why would you need a big screen? Or why is that important to you? And the person's going to say, well, it's important to me because I don't see very well and I need big letters and I need a big screen. And I might say, well, this is this is a big screen and it'll be perf- actually be very good for big letters and everything. It's actually 17 inches. So, But they didn't care about the 17 inches. They just wanted to know if the letters could be big enough on the screen. So in phase three, you actually go back to being a dummy. But this time, you know you're being a dummy. You're being a dummy on purpose. So you actually know all the answers, but you're not just going to give out answers because that's not what people want anyway. That's not actually helping people. 17 inches. Okay, so what? (laughs) So you return to just being a normal person, to talking to people, finding out what's important to them. And guess what? People start buying the computers again. So, and that's when you're a professional salesperson. You realize it's not about the product knowledge. It's about helping people. So that's the dummy curve. They call it the dummy curve because in the beginning you sell a lot. Then in in the middle, you don't sell as much, even though you know everything. And in the end, you sell more because you know everything, but you kind of pretend to be a dummy. What the heck does all this have to do with spirituality? Well, I think mindfulness is like the dummy curve in sales. You only need mindfulness in that middle phase. And here's what I mean. When you're born, when you're a kid, when you're three, four, five, six years old, you're just a kid. Life is good. Life is wonderful. You're in awe of life. It's full of wonder. And you don't think too much. You don't even know what your mind is. You don't know what ego is. You don't know anything. You're just experiencing life and it's wonderful. And that's it. (laughs) You're in a very natural state. You're actually in a very high spiritual state. I mean, don't forget, Jesus said, be ye like little children and you shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So when you're a kid, You're in a very high spiritual state and you haven't actually learned all the bad habits of the adults yet. And you haven't taken on all the baggage 
that the adults have yet. You're very clean and light and just you're just a human being. You're a kid. So you're you're actually in a very high spiritual state. Then when you become an adult, you learn all these bad habits. You learn that, oh, when I was a kid, I was, you know, or this is my mind. This is these are my mental muscles and and this and that. And then you start getting you you know more, but you're more troubled as well. So you pick up a tool like mindfulness to help bring you back to a balanced state or the present moment, right? So after we gain some knowledge in life and we pretty much screw ourselves up, we need mindfulness techniques to help bring us back to a more balanced state or the present moment or whatever it is. But then when we start meditating and practicing spirituality, we realize that we really want to get into those states or those conditions, the same spiritual state we were in when we were a kid. And we didn't care. We didn't even know what mindfulness was. So when we practice spirituality more and meditate more and deepen our practice more and gain more realization, we just end up living in a higher spiritual state and just enjoying the wonder of life. And we don't, we forget mindfulness. We don't need the techniques anymore <laughs> because we're beyond that. We've, we've transcended the need for any techniques, not only mindfulness. So it's kind of like the dummy curve. And we start out life in a very spiritual state. We're kind of clean and pure. Then in the middle, we get all messed up really we mess ourselves up and society and other people mess us up too. Well, I shouldn't say mess us up. They impart their baggage upon us. And as, as kids, we don't know any better. We just take on all the baggage and the garbage. Then we grow up and we realize, oh, that's garbage. So it takes us a while to clean off the garbage. So in the middle of life, we're cleaning out the garbage and we're using mindfulness techniques. And it doesn't have to be at the end of life. Could be in the middle of life as well. We get to the third phase where we start to live in a higher spiritual state. And, and we don't need mindfulness techniques anymore. So these are ideas I had because of this conversation at the meetup. Where this participant was saying, oh, I had this wonderful spiritual experience. And then right after that, the participant was saying, well... I don't always, you know, I don't always practice mindfulness. I really try. I don't think I'm doing it right. And they were actually sort of upset with themselves that they weren't practicing mindfulness perfectly. And I just was thinking, and I actually said, look, you were in a beautiful spiritual state. You're way beyond mindfulness. The goal is to be in these higher states of awareness or consciousness or whatever it is. Our goal is to transcend these mindfulness techniques. So we really shouldn't let these mindfulness techniques upset us if we're not doing it all the time or properly, or maybe we don't think we're doing it properly. That's just our mind getting messed up within itself. <laughs> I mean, it's actually a technique that, that's supposed to help us, but if you're worried about it, then it's actually hurting you. <laughs> So mindfulness can be a trap. It can be something that 
you you focus on this lower thing, you forget the higher thing. <laughs> so it's actually, you know, again, it's like any tool. It can help us if we use it right. And like with any tool, you're going to use it for a certain period of time, and then you're going to put down the tool. You're not going to use one tool for the rest of your life all the time. Hopefully not, anyway. In the James Allen book that I'm reading, Above Life's Turmoil, he talks about the three stages of life as well. The animal stage, the dual stage, and the divine stage. Animal, dual, divine. And of course, of course, the dual stage in the middle is both animal and divine. That's why it's called dual. To me, this is again the dummy curve. This is when you're in the animal stage of life, you're not thinking about spirituality. You're not thinking about mindfulness. You're just being yourself, being an animal. Because as humans, we are animal and divine at the same time. But before you realize you're divine, you're just an animal. And the whole, obviously the whole goal of life is to, we start life as an animal, but we have to end as a divine being <laughs> if we're to make any progress. So the middle stage, the dual stage is when we realize, yeah, there's this thing called divinity. There's these higher states of consciousness. There's these deeper experiences I have in my life. It's not all just about food and money and, and that's all. And, 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 a, and a house and a car. So we're in this dual stage where, yeah, we're still, you know, we still want to eat good food and all this and, and satisfy some of our animal pleasures. But yet we, we know there's this higher thing called divinity, this spiritual journey that we're on that we, we're going to have to become more divine. That's all happening at the same time in the middle stage, the dual stage. And that's where mindfulness can help. The divine stage is when we finally have left all the animalness behind. We kind of graduate into a divine being where, yes, we're still animals technically, but we don't have to be a slave to those animal pleasures and wishes and desires and all that. We're the master of our animal passions. Hopefully, that's where each of us can get to. So, so mindfulness is good. It's not the be-all, end-all. And by the way, mindfulness and self-help, this is another way to look at it. Mindfulness and self-help, they sort of help develop our being, our vessel, right? This body-mind vessel that we have. <laughs> so think of it like a car. Okay, mindfulness and self-help can really make our car strong and beautiful. It'll have a strong engine. It'll have a beautiful body. But here's the thing. Where's the car going? We can make ourselves a really beautiful, strong vessel, but where's the vessel going? So that's why focusing on the goal is huge. The ultimate goal. And the best thing is, if you don't understand any of the, the goals, self-realization, God-realization, you're not supposed to understand it. You're supposed to meditate with the hope that you understand it someday and let the universe show you, explain it to you. 
You're not going to learn it from this podcast. Trust me. You're going to have to meditate and achieve a deeper level of consciousness and and then you'll understand these things. You'll experience it and you'll know it. It won't be a matter of argument or discussion or anything like that. So let's read this little passage from 365 Tao. This is the book that has one passage for each day of the year. This one is called Relaxation. I really like this one. And this really, I mean, Pause Your Life is such a wonderful concept and organization. This passage makes me think of Pause Your Life. So if you haven't tried to pause your life, go to pauseyourlife.org. Check it out. You can even pause right there on the website. It says pause now. And you can unload all your baggage and feel lighter right there, right on the spot. So this is called relaxation. Let's start. Relaxation is total peace. When you relax completely, there is total silence. No thought enters the mind. No problems arise from the body. No memories grip the spirit. This overwhelming sense of tranquility is really all meditation is about. The neutral stillness of the mind renews the tired soul. And this is regeneration. Even if you don't follow a formal meditation program, it is good to sit quietly for a little while every day. This form of rest should be as regular as sleeping each day. If you can sit still and just relax completely, you are actually meditating. All the various forms of complicated techniques and visualization exist because people can't bring themselves to this very simple state of relaxation. Their minds are constantly racing, their bodies are out of balance, and the worries of the day weigh heavily upon them. They cannot let go, so they need a formal routine to follow. But if you can simply sit down and empty yourself, you will experience a wonderful silence and a deep satisfying sense of peace. One should try to return to a relaxed state on a regular and periodic basis. The simple reason for relaxation is that it renews us, purifies us, and leaves us with a profound feeling of serenity. It is not a ritual. It is not a religious obligation. It is a wonderful state of away from problems. In it, we are poised in our natural state. So there you have it. And hopefully after listening to this episode of The Mystic Show, you are poised to continue moving on through your day in a state or in a vibration or in a condition that brings serenity and peace to yourself and to others. And of course, if you have to use mindfulness techniques, go ahead. That's what they're for. So I hope you appreciated this episode. I'm happy that you listened. Definitely comment on this post and let me know your thoughts. TheMysticShow.net. That's the website, TheMysticShow.net. So have a great day and a great week. And until next time, 
keep shining.